Welcome to the CDH Conversations podcast, in which we will be speaking about dismissals in the time of a pandemic. I am Dylan Bushier, an associate at CDH. For many South Africans, the COVID-19 pandemic has brought waves of uncertainty. Throughout, the pinnacle of uncertainty has always rested with the implications of the virus for the South African workforce. On the 11th of June 2021, the consolidated directions on occupational health and safety measures in certain workplaces were gazetted in terms of the national disaster regulations, the regulations that the government has used to manage its COVID-19 response. Joining me today is Tamsang Mila, a senior associate in the Employment Law Department at Cliff Decker Hofmeyer. Mila, thank you so much for your time to discuss not only the high-level overview of the aspects of mandatory vaccination policies, but the issue of dismissals in relation to the implementation of mandatory vaccination policies. But before we dive into the discussion of the recent arbitration award of TM versus Gold Rush Group, please could you maybe enlighten the listeners as to what employers must consider when they intend on implementing mandatory vaccination policies in the workplace? Thank you, Dylan. In terms of the directive, implementing a mandatory vaccination policy in the workplace is not a simple matter. And employers who intend to introduce mandatory vaccination policies must undertake a risk assessment and identify employees who are in situations where the risk of transmission is high because of the nature of their work and where there is a risk of severe COVID-19 disease or the risk of death is high due to an employee's age or comorbidities. Employers must develop a COVID-19 vaccination plan to include measures that are set out in the directive. If they already have an existing plan, they may amend it. The content of the plan must take into account the size and the nature of the business, as well as any collective agreements that are in place in order to ensure that the vaccination plan is not in conflict with whatever collective agreements that are in place. The vaccination plan would be based largely on risks that have been identified in the risk assessment. Once a risk assessment has been made to identify employees who must be vaccinated and a vaccination plan has been developed and appropriate measures must be taken or put in place to implement it. In fact, these very steps were taken by Gold Rush before they implemented their mandatory vaccination policy, which were the subject of scrutiny in the first CCMA matter on the topic that we are about to discuss today. As you mentioned earlier, the case of TM versus Gold Rush Group. Before we get stuck into the discussion of this, please could you just take the listeners through the facts of the case briefly? Thanks, Mila. So following the introduction of the directive, the employer being Gold Rush Group introduced a mandatory vaccination policy, which the employee elected not to comply with. And consequently, the employee was called to attend an incapacity inquiry on 28 October 2021. Following the incapacity inquiry, the chairperson concluded that the employee was permanently incapacitated as a result of her failure to be vaccinated and participate in promoting a safe and healthy work environment. The chairperson of the incapacity inquiry found that the incapacity was permanent as the employee had no intention of ever being vaccinated. And as a result, the employer being Gold Rush Group in this matter determined that the contract was to be terminated. 
And so, of course, the employee was not happy with the outcome of this incapacity inquiry and essentially referred a dispute to the CCMA challenging the substantive fairness of her dismissal. The commissioner was tasked with determining whether the employee's dismissal was substantively fair based on incapacity for her refusal to be vaccinated. And the commissioner noted that the employee had placed reliance on her right to bodily and psychological integrity in terms of Section 12.2 of the Constitution in her exemption application. The Employers' Exemption Committee, which is a committee formed in terms of the directive and in terms of the mandatory vaccination policy, considered and declined her application. And the reasons for doing so were ultimately that the employee was a high-risk individual who interacted with her colleagues on a daily basis whilst on duty in a confined and uncontrolled space, placing those colleagues at risk of possible infection. Thank you very much, Dylan. Do you mind just taking the listeners through some of the considerations of the commissioner in reaching his conclusion on the matter? Of course. The commissioner considered both the process that the employer had undertaken, as well as the reasoning of the exemption committee, and found that in the interest of fairness, the only possible conclusion was that the employee was permanently incapacitated. The conclusion was founded on the employee's decision not to get vaccinated and the implication thereof of refusing to create a safe and healthy working environment, an obligation that is imposed on both the employer and the employee in terms of the Occupational Health and Safety Act. The commissioner found that the dismissal was substantively fair and dismissed the referral. Despite this, we know that the matter has been taken on review to the Labour Courts and we await a judgment in this regard. Of course, I note that the process that Goldrush elected to undertake with regards to the employee's refusal was that of an incapacity procedure. And so it was as a result of that procedure that the employee was dismissed. That's quite important, that distinction you made there in the end. Thank you very much, Dylan. It brings us to the end of our conversation today, and thank you for the discussion. Thank you, Mila. It was a pleasure speaking with you. The views and information expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily present those of the firm. All content is provided for general purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. We make no representations, warranties or guarantees, whether expressed or implied, that the content on our podcast is accurate, complete, up-to-date or reflects the current law. We accept no responsibility for any loss or damage, whether direct or consequential, arising from reliance on the information which is presented here.